Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 38. The fuel for any healthy business is sales and money coming into the company. And keeping a steady flow of income is crucial, and that includes maintaining current customers, but really more importantly, generating new ones. So today we're going to talk about the sales funnels that we use to bring in new clients and revenue into our businesses. John, what's up, buddy? Not much, dude. Ready to cruise into this episode? I think this is something I can definitely learn from because I know you've got some great tips on creating a great sales funnel. Yeah, I think this one is uh, is going to be a culmination of a lot of things we've talked about before and kind of rolling it all into one because we get just a ton of questions on this. Uh, but before we do get into it, we want to thank some of the new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. We had Karen Lavarnway, Chris Lalong, and Wes. Wes. I like it, man. It's just, just Wes. It's Wes. like Prince. <laughs> yep, just Wes. If you guys want to join the Patron Tribe, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and you can enjoy the after show which we do after every episode uh, as well as some other cool rewards so go check that out if you're interested what have you been getting into this week man so I'm actually cruising through a 15 foot conference table um, that I've had on the docket since uh end of last year and it took a little bit of planning to get into um so <laughs> fingers crossed that we get this thing wrapped up by the end of the week got some Brand new techniques I've never actually tried before. I bought a vacuum bag. We're gonna be doing some resawing. Oh yeah, um, just getting real technical with the uh, with the complicated woodworking over here. Um, and as well as I'm trying to produce some more uh, some more content that's a little smaller in scale. Um, what I've realized is I've been doing like these mega huge projects, and my audience is like, "Hey, hey, man, how about some stuff that we can try to make sometime?" That we can. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, I got that rolling, and the, and I'm honestly I'm still playing catch up from from Cleveland, man. So I, I know it's been a whirlwind month for both of us. What what do you got going on? Yeah, dude, and it's it's funny you mentioned that on on a couple different fronts. Um, but first, before I hit that, uh, Pinewood Derby this weekend took the boys the the Pinewood Derby. Both my boys are in Cub Scouts. Uh, we have a tiger and a bear. Uh, for those of you who have boys that are in the scouts and um, we did the Pinewood Derby and we, you know, I helped them with cars, obviously. And I was like, all right, boys, what do you want? They're like, we want to win. I was like, <laughs> let's do it. So like, you know, we don't want design. Like we want the fastest car. So uh, we put them together. And honestly, I thought like, ah, oh, these are pretty good, but I don't know. Ended up taking first place and second place in the entire pack. So they both won their their dens and then the they were first and second so it was it was really funny at the end at the ward ceremony they were like yeah they're like wait a minute both the first place and second place they're rodriguez kids like what's going on here so i was like getting dirty looks from the other dads like you built this didn't you i'm like well, of course i built it i'm not like putting my son on the table saw but <laughs> or the band saw. but uh yeah it was fun like they they basically just told me what they wanted and i was like all right we can do that and i'm gonna make this the best we can but I had them sanding and everything, so they did they did their share. But you know, at the same time, uh, I used all the power tools, obviously. So that was really fun. It was really awesome to see them so excited and uh, and to win. But uh, to the to the thing about trying something new, man, you're talking about trying some new techniques. I just finished up the epoxy waterfall river table, so I've been kind of on this kick of the epoxy pour and I've been stringing that out for a while because of all the delays we've had. Um, I was waiting on the table base from Cleveland, like we were talking about, uh, but get all that all wrapped up and that um, we have, we'll have launched this past weekend. So uh, super excited about that. First time using epoxy and, and first time welding the table base, man. So that was, that was really fun. Um, but like you said, you know, kind of going from that, actually, I'm going to flip from that, like right back into like home DIY, super basic project. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny, uh, kind of in the same vein as, as what you're doing, something pretty complicated and probably out of reach for a lot of people, but, uh, then just slap it back into something that's just straight up. Anybody can make it. So, uh, kind of a, 
kind of a fun thing to do, but I'm, I'm really pumped about the, uh, the waterfall table. Yeah. I got a little sneak preview, uh, and I, you've been putting a lot of content out around the, around the creation of it and it looks awesome, man. I'm like, I'm super stoked for you. Um, it's definitely a beautiful piece, uh, super unique. It'll be interesting to see it, um, in, in your home. Cause I, I don't know if it fits in no, any normal design <laughs> decor, but it's an, it's an awesome piece. Um, and it was, it was actually really cool to see the kids, um, on your story this weekend, uh, winning in the, in the Pinewood Derby. I actually remember when I was in eighth grade and in Woodshop, they had us build wind up cars with gum bands, um, oh, and, nice. and race those across the floor. And I, mine won actually, it was, uh, and I, but I made it myself, uh, and I was a little bit older than they are right now. So it, regardless, <laughs> I, I, I remember those, uh, those, those days of, of racing cars and actually finding true excitement in something that, that now we kind of take for granted as, as adults, but that, that was, that's awesome, dude. Sounds like yeah. you had a, a big week. It was, it was good, man. But, uh, yeah. So g- getting into the topic for today, we want to talk about uh, sales funnels because we just, we get a ton of questions about, you know, how to generate, uh, new work and how to sell your products, uh, whether it's digital or physical. Uh, and so we thought, Hey, let's, let's kind of have an episode where we just talk about that and talk about, uh, the, the most important piece, which is the funnel. And so if if you've I'm sure you've probably heard of that or you've at least heard us talk about it, the sales funnel. So the idea is you have people coming in at the top of the funnel with a wide with a wide scope. And those are uh, potential clients. And then the people that you actually convert into sales at the end is a much narrower number. And I think, John, you've you've talked about it many times about what's your number, the, the 110 to or something like that. Yeah, I think it's something like that statistically. Right. So you have 100 people coming in there uh, out of those, you know, 10 of them might be a good lead. And out of those, you're going to convert a couple. So the idea is you need a lot of people coming in the top of that funnel to actually come out the bottom end uh, that are going to generate revenue for you. And so and so how can you do it? So why don't we just start off, John, with like, you know, what are the different types of sales funnels maybe and kind of ground ourselves and then we'll go into a little bit of detail in them. So um, speaking of the sales funnel specifically, it's pretty much the, the, the general idea of our show is there's going to be a physical and there's going to be a digital side to it. Um, and the physical is going to be a lot more traditional and we'll start there. Um, physical sales funnel is going to be conceptually things along the lines of word of mouth, um, product placement, um, and, and door-to-door kind of salesy aspects of um, getting your name and, and getting the word out there. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I seem to get a bunch of questions on, especially at WorkbenchCon from a lot of our product listeners was, you know, how do I create more sales or I'm stuck in selling a specific type of item and I want to move to bigger and better types of furniture production. So for um, for this segment, you know, I, I would love to focus on that. Um, and I think the physical sales funnel is a great means to get there because a lot of us focus on the digital side and the digital is going to be your social media, your website, your email list, your inquiry form, your, and, and all of the lead magnets and opt-ins that we talk about developing here on the show. But I think what a lot of, uh, a lot of people seem to forget is that, you know, small businesses built on hand, uh, on exactly what Jeff Mack said, uh, you know, door to door, like hand in the dirt kind of ground and pound mentality. And that's where the physical sales funnel comes to play. So, um, to start off, word of mouth is definitely going to be a massive tool for anybody that's trying to get into selling handmade goods uh, or selling any type of product uh, as a small business, at least in our experience. You've got some uh, some industries that are specifically based around having uh, all of a lot of their lead generation coming from referrals. Uh, I mean, like my mom owns a hair salon, for instance, and most of her clientele is coming from a referral from somebody else who had a great experience. Now in the service-based industry, um, there's a lot more transactions long-term because you're getting a haircut or, you know, all the, all the time, or, uh, or you need that service more often. Um, you know, if you have a, a plumber for instance, or something like that, you're looking for a, a good person who gives, you know, quality with good pricing, um, and is reliable and you'll call them for all of your plumbing needs kind of thing. So service-based industries definitely, uh, need to be considering word of mouth, um, because of the fact that if somebody has something bad to say about what you're doing, it's typically going to keep them from, you know, telling their, their close family and friends. And that's how you're able right. to generate. And, well, it's, it's not going to keep them right. So that's one of the things that I've heard always is that, uh, people are 10 times more likely to share a bad experience than a good experience. 
So when you when you if you screw something up, uh, you know, they're going to tell 10 people where if you do something good, they're going to tell one person. Right. So yes. that that that's the flip side of that, too. And I think you, you're you're nailing it on the service side, the the product side. And that's I think where a lot of people have the problem with. And, you know, we talk about new clients and continuing clients is that, you know, most of the time people are only going to buy one dining table <laughs> every few years at the most. Right. So it's it's a bit harder on the product side. So uh, and I know you've talked about it, John, too, about uh, looking into some of those smalls and word of mouth and branding, uh, because when you sell something like when you do the cutting boards and you put your logo on there. Right. Or you'll get a you'll brand it. Uh, and a lot of people have these wood uh, branders where they'll burn their logo into the stuff. So that's a great way. I know uh, our buddies, uh, Sons of Sawdust, they do a great job of it. They have that awesome logo and they burn it into all their pieces. So when somebody's in somebody's house or in a restaurant and they see that awesome piece of furniture and they look at it and go, oh, cool. Like, is this John Malecki builds or, or Sons of Sawdust? Like, that, that's awesome. Uh, so I know that that's, that's a piece that's worked really well uh, for folks that just getting that out there into the, to the, you know, general public so people can see your logo and branding and then hopefully inquire to whoever owns it and say, you know, who are these people? Where do you have any contact information? Yeah. And um, product placement. I mean, you know, basically I'm, I use uh, cutting boards as like a big business card. Uh, my logo is on the back and my name's there and it's visible. I, you know, you don't have a massive margin on them. So when I make them, um, it's in a limited run and, and I get them out there to people that I know would feel um, like they could uh, share my work with somebody else. And that's going back to the, the word of mouth concept. So, um, you know, for very high end clients or clients that are purchasing a certain quantity or denomination, you know, I'll throw a cutting board in for free um, and have them on the shelves because you're not always going to be around the product that you made for that individual. Or, you know, I don't like to put my brand or logo on the top of a table in a client's home. Um, <laughs> so it's an, right, easy right, way right. For, an easy way for them to talk about my work or show things off is give them a beautiful cutting board as a gift and a thank you for their their service. And then when they're having a dinner party or they're serving, you know, a charcuterie plate for uh, for Christmas or whatever, and someone asks, you know, hey, you know, John Malecki made this cutting board. Oh, Andy did our dining table and our coffee table and our kitchen and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's a great way to get a little to get that word of mouth spreading um, with a specific piece of product placement. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of ways to incentivize your clients as well with word of mouth um, that most people don't think about, you know, so if you go and look at the digital space and where people are trying to gain followers or gain uh, virality in social media marketing, you can do the same thing with word of mouth, right? You know, you have a client, yeah. you have a client that purchases something um, that maybe in the, is in the middle ground to lower price point of what you're doing. Um, incentivize them by asking for referrals uh, and asking for word of mouth referrals, you know, leave a couple business cards and say, Hey, um, you know, if you refer your, you know, five of your friends to me, uh, you know, next time you're looking for something, I'll give you a 10 to 15% off or something like that. Um, and, and I think that that's a way of creating uh, that type of funnel. That's extremely direct. Um, most people asking for referrals from a client who's previously purchased are what we call a warm lead or a hot lead. Um, and you're going to get uh, a lot more of, a lot larger percentage of those clients to bite on an actual purchase than you would a cold lead, which would be someone falling onto your website via a general search online. So you have to really take these word of mouth and product placement type uh, marketing strategies um, like serious because you're going to get a lot of business from them. Um, so you need to put your business in an ad advantageous situation in which you can win when word of mouth is something um, that could possibly pop up for one of your clients down the line. And like Brad said, that's by using your logoing. That's by creating a, uh, you know, a good, great dynamic between yourself and your existing client um, or in a restaurant or somewhere that might be a little more visual, you know, have that person with a clear, uh, give that person a clear directive to see what your business does and where they are, whether you have, you know, your logo stamped on something or it's just the name of your business um, that they can look up later on their own kind of thing. That's when you're right. going to find a lot of those warm leads coming in. Yeah. And I, I like the idea, John, about incentivizing them. I think there's a couple of ways to incentivize your your customers. Uh, and, you know, this is more just me speaking from uh, theoretical basis. I've not done these, but I think there's the thing you want to do is you want to stand apart. Right. So you want you want to give your customer something to talk about. And so one of those could be uh, or give them a reason to talk at least. And one of those could be exactly like you said, John, I know some people who actually 
uh, you know, in, in especially in like the real estate, because we always like to talk real estate because there's that's just such a massive relationship based business. Oh, yeah. Um, is that people are always asking for referrals and leads and that they'll give them finders fees. Right. So if you're selling super high end product like you could say, hey, if you bring somebody, if they spend uh, fifteen hundred dollars with me, you know, I'll give you 50 bucks or fifty dollar gift card to Applebee's. Shout out Modern Maker podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Uh, so, right, you could give them a you could give them a monetary incentive, or right if you if that's not in the budget for you and, and you can't work that into the margins. Another thing would be how do you blow them away with service? So give them a story to tell because you blew them away with you know something that you did, uh, whatever that is. If it's just going above and beyond on the delivery, helping out with something else, is that you know, make it memorable for them instead of just showing up, dropping it off, you know, have that conversation, talk to them. Uh, you know, if you see something in their house, recommend, you know, that you can help them with, um, you know, if you have like anytime you're in a house, it's also a great way for people that are in the trades as well. If you're in somebody's house and you see that they have an issue with, uh, you know, like you said, let's say with plumbing, right? You see their faucets leaking, You'd be like, oh, hey, man, I like I, I got a buddy. He's a plumber. He does this like I'd love to hook you up, like use those opportunities to to basically just add value to that customer, because then when they're talking to somebody, they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, he was so helpful. And he actually hooked me up with this other with this other guy who's a plumber. And like, you know, they've, they've totally taken care of me is that anytime you can leave somebody uh, just really excited, enthusiastic about your interaction with them, they're going to want to talk about it. They're going to tell their friends. Uh, and then, right, like you said, I love that idea of like, all of a sudden you show up at the dining table and then before you leave, you're like, Hey, you know, I know you're going to be having a lot of food, having company over here. Boom. Here's this serving tray that I made out of the scrap off cuts from that table. You know, something where you're not investing any more, uh, money into the material and it's just a little glue up some sanding. Boom. You got a matching cutting board, serving board. And now all of a sudden it's a topic of conversation. Um, that's the great thing about dining tables and, uh, cutting boards, charcuterie boards, all those things is that people gather around those items, right? They're conversation pieces. People are having conversations around that. That's going to come up. Man, I love this. Like, oh man, this the serving tray. This matches your table. Is that the same? Oh yeah, man. When John delivered this, he had offcuts and he and he made this for me. Like that's just those are great little ways. Or if you're making smaller things, if you make a coffee table, make a set of coasters. You know, there's there's little ways that you can do to to just do a value add that's going to give something give that customer something to talk about. And I think those are great tactics to get wide um, using word of mouth to your advantage when um, it may be difficult to come up with just off the cuff ways to have people talking about your product. We'll give the people that already have your product a great way to talk about what you have um, and also consider where that person is and how many eyeballs are going to be on it. People are having less people over their house than perhaps might be in their office. So if you would like to give a gift or something with your logo and product placement on it, do that where they may have a lot more foot traffic coming to them. You know, if they work in a, in a cubicle, you know, give them uh, something that they could hang on the wall in there that people might walk by and ask about, um, or just give them an opportunity to create more conversation around your stuff. Um, and it, in it's interesting when you look at it that way that you're not stuck on like, oh, I just make dining tables. Um, how are you going to talk about those? Like, there's a lot of easy ways to do that. And I think that these are some great techniques to get wide with your physical um, sales funnel. Um, and another way I was going to, excuse me. So to segue into the next part, um, I think what happens in what a lot of the comments I was getting at WorkbenchCon is that, you know, a lot of our audience is making small batch craft goods, which is fantastic. Um, and they're wanting to get wider and they're wanting to build their business to where they're making um, you know, more larger dollar items or um, just physically larger items in general, um, use the fact that you're able to uh, efficiently create those small uh, goods to your advantage and then pound the pavement. You know, like uh, when Jeff Mack brought that up on how he would go door to door and create sales for his business, you know, think about this the same exact way. You know, if you're creating something small that can sit on a desk or that can sit on um, anywhere that could be displayed, a shelf, whatever it might be, um, think about how you can take this uh, as an opportunity to market your product and then put it in places where the type of customer that you're looking for is going to be. Um, we'll go back to my mom owning a hair salon. You know, during the holidays, I used to take a dozen or so cutting boards and put them on 
her uh, counter at the reception desk at her salon. And because she's my mother and is probably my best sales advocate, they sold like hotcakes. <laughs> but besides that, it put my products in front of people. Then I also had the product placement to follow up. On top of it, I knew how many business cards that I put in her salon. And then from there, I kept track of the amount of leads that I was able to generate out of it from the cards being in the salon. Um, so this is another way to use a physical funnel of, say, you put 100 cards in your local barber shop or in your local craft store or, you know, vintage goods store. Um, and if you get five leads out of it, you know, how many of those were you able to close? And then you can see if you do that in five places, you know, you're able to use the data to your advantage in order to say, I'm only going to market in these two stores now because, you know, things weren't really selling in the other ones. And then you give a little perk or kickback or uh, work on consignment with the store owner, you know, whatever it might be, but, but think of, uh, think of things this way and think about how you can, you know, hit the ground running and kind of pound the pavement to create that sales funnel, um, outside of, you know, just posting a photo to Facebook and Instagram and hoping that someone falls on it. Cause I think that a lot of our audience is missing on the fact that <laughs> small bills, business is built on your back and it's grassroots and you got to get, put your hand in the dirt right. and ground and pound it still. It, it's all about the grind. And, and if, if you are a new listener, if you've just found made for profit, welcome. Um, if you found it in the, in the past couple months, uh, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to episode 30 that we did with Jeff Mack and it's right that called grinding it out with Jeff Mack and uh, Jeff just gave some awesome insights about how he built up, you know, a million dollar business, basically, like John just said, on his back, just ground and pound, uh, knocking on doors, talking to people who are uh, that he thought could help him sell his product, whether it's interior decorators or designers or, or whatever. So I uh, highly encourage you to go listen to that. Um, on the other side, so before we go into the digital, just thinking about, we've been talking a ton about product. If you're on the content side, again, going back to WorkbenchCon, a lot of hungry folks there, a lot of people who are wanting to get into the digital space. Uh, and I've just been recently coming out of it on the heels of it. I've been talking with some folks like, oh man, I'm, I've got my first sponsored post coming up, stuff like that, which is amazing. Um, same thing, same thing from the physical side there as far, but more around. So if you're trying to get into uh, something where you're trying to sell a digital product. Uh, obviously, most of the leads are going to come on the digital side, but you can still have some physical uh, handshaking, right? So you go up and you meet with sponsors, you meet with those folks who um, are going to be highlighting your product or you're going to be working for. And so those events, places like WorkbenchCon, places like uh, even craft shows where you can meet up uh, with sponsors who would be able to uh, support your work that those are, are great ways to do it. So from the physical nature, you know, leave them with a card. I think that you know, a lot of people get tied up in the fact that it's digital online content and online marketing, but still there's nothing more valuable in my mind than being able to shake somebody's hand and introduce yourself and go, hey, what's up? I'm Brad from Fix This, Build That. Uh, how you doing? And, and here's what I do. And just talk to them. Because uh, if somebody's got an inbox full of emails. That name that jumps out of the page at them is going to be the one that they give more attention to. And the names that are going to jump out of the page are the ones that they recognize and they're the ones that they remember. Oh yeah, I remember I remember that gal from WorkbenchCon. Yeah, oh she was so she was so nice and she showed me a picture of her last project and that was just amazing. I'm I'm going to see what's what's up with that because I loved her personality, I loved her energy. Uh, I think those are the things that you can do to to take your digital content and digital business and make it personal and physical. Uh, anytime you can meet and talk to clients in person, uh, it just really, it just forms a bond. Honestly, it just, it's that relationship. It's that relational aspect of business. Uh-huh. And I think what you're nailing there is that you're essentially realizing the concept of selling yourself, which is basically sales and any aspect, right? Um, if, if you're doing a good job of moving product, it's probably because people believe in your brand and what you're doing. Um, and you're able to sell yourself um, at a high level and deliver on what individuals are looking for. So um, exactly what Brad said, same goes into content um, creation and being in the digital space is that if you can put your face to the account or whatever people are typically seeing you under, um, you know, they're going to remember that um, much 
much more than they would just remember a handle or a, a, looking at a business card name and or trying to remember who that individual was because it came in the mail. So do a good job of getting out to craft shows, getting out to conferences, going to events. You know, we talked about it in the events episode. These are great opportunities to get wide and get your name out there. Um, and that's in any aspect, whether you're producing physical goods or producing content or trying to do both for a living. Um, I think that th- uh, uh, having a directive and that um, having a game plan to why you're out there doing it is definitely going to help create that quote unquote uh, funnel for whatever type of business you're trying to run. Yeah. And, and I know it's, it, I know we talked about it when I had them made and you're like, oh man, old school. Uh, when I made my my business cards, I put my picture on them. I still put my picture because it's a little bit different too, because uh, like you said, John, uh, selling yourself, like I am the product, right? I am uh, what somebody is investing in because I am going to be physically on camera talking about somebody's product and showing how it's used. So it's very important that uh, people you know, have trust in me and understand what I'm about and who I am and my personality. So when I give somebody a business card, I'm seeing them face to face. When I later on, they're going through all the business cards, like if they see fix this, build that in my name, it's like, okay. but then if they see fix this, build that my name and my picture, then right, right. That just kind of solidifies everything back back there. So I kind of like that tactic for, um, you know, especially for what what I do. So if if your brand is about yourself, uh, if you're selling products, you know, maybe not as big of a deal. You want your brand there. uh, But. I think that that's a really good way to do it. But yeah, once we get into the digital now, so so spanning away from physical into digital, I mean, I think this is wide open and this is obviously where most of the topics of our of our shows come from. But uh, starting on the digital sales funnel, you know, social media, website, SEO, those are going to be your main ones and the main ones that we that we talk about and that we push for. So being out there as a business, trying to just let people understand what you're about and showing them your product and content and pulling them in. And there's so many different ways to do that. But, you know, we think that having really good social media presence, obviously Instagram uh, at the forefront these days, but Pinterest, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the cornerstone of that is going to be a great website of where you're driving them to. And John, I know you talk about it all the time is, is the inquiry form and having places that people, you know, reasons for people to come to your website uh, so that they can, enter that sales funnel. And, you know, I think that's the tip of the iceberg for you. And what's been really successful is that inquiry funnel you really talk about a lot. Yeah, for me, I'm using social media, I'm using um, YouTube, I'm using SEO to drive people to where I make my money. And that would be in custom furniture sales. Um, And and now as a, you know, a, a social media influencer, but um, for the past couple years, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube were just used to get more exposure um, and you go from a wider aspect down to where you're actually selling people. So, um, you know, every single day now I get inquiries on my lead form on my website, as well as DMS on Instagram and emails that are asking like, Hey, I have a project. Would you be interested in it? Hey, I have a project. Would you be interested in it? And, um, and that's because, you know, when you're in the digital space, you, uh, you have to use the um, opportunity for things to go wide to your advantage um, in order to get them narrow to where you can sell them on an individual basis. So my suggestion in creating a sales funnel is sell what you're best at selling um, or set yourself up to do so. And in my case, or in what I believe should be most of your cases is myself. So my digital sales funnel is driving towards creating a conversation with me. And I do that by using a lead form on my website. Um, and that you know that's kind of a it's a broad concept that seems extremely simple and it kind of is but um when you think about all the time and effort we put into our social media campaigns our you know our website development and and producing content around what we're doing um you have to be doing that with a target in mind on on why and and where you want to take these people to or where you want to take your followers journeying um or excuse me where you want to take the followers journey um, in the end. And for me, that's a sale. So what I, what I'm going to suggest is for anyone doing physical or digital product sales is that you need to be thinking about why people would be following you and how you can capture 
an aspect of their life in order to retarget them with quote unquote advertising uh, for product sales. And uh, I guess the easiest way to do that for a physical good is going to be your inquiry form. Um, and that's going to be another aspect where you're getting a warm lead. Um, typically, that individual is going to know a lot more about you. Uh, they're going to be already on your Instagram or wherever they're coming from to fall on your website. And they'll know you make furniture, They kind of know what kind you're making. And they'll be inquiring about a custom piece of furniture. What happens a lot, and it's been it's funny because Brad and I have been <laughs> on phone calls or Skype conversations where I've gotten random people calling me asking me ridiculously random things, quote unquote, <laughs> because I'm a because <laughs> I'm a woodworker and my uh, name and number is out on Howls, it's out on Angie's List, it's out on Thumbtack, and it's in all these places that keep my funnel nice and wide. <laughs> but because it's not extremely specific, they're very cold leads, and it'll be along the lines of like. Hey man, I cut down a tree. I wanted to make a bench for my daughter. I was wondering if you could help me. And I'm like, well, that's completely nowhere close to what I do. I apologize. Um, but you know, that's not it. And instead, when I can drive them to my website, they're already going to know like, Hey, I'm looking at an industrial dining set on restoration hardware. I was wondering if you could recreate it in this size with this specific type of wood, boom, warm lead, you know, you can execute, you know, the price points they are already looking at, excuse me, you know, the styling. Um, so you put yourself in an advantageous situation where you're already going to be able to get closer to closing that deal. Um, instead of just having your name super wide, um, and out there with like a broad kind of, uh, kind of, I guess, uh, attachment to it, you know, try to narrow them down and focus them from places that, you know, they're already interested in what you're doing. And that would be social media and your website or whatever pieces of content you're putting out there. Yeah. I, and I love that idea. What I really like about that, that technique that you use, John, is that is you, so like you said, you have a really wide, and so I, I've definitely heard you on the phone before because you've got a really wide sales funnel coming from different directions. People are calling you for, from wherever they heard your name or got your number from. And then what I've heard you say several times is, hey, go ahead over to my website, you know, metalinwoodus or, or johnmalecki.com, whatever, whichever one you're sending them to. And there's an inquiry form there. So the idea we talk about the sales funnel being super wide is that that middle of the sales funnel is you're you're sending them to your website. So, again, whether you're on Instagram and that's a link in your bio or it's a link in the description of your YouTube video or it's on your business card or wherever, or you're telling it to somebody on the phone, is that you want to quickly drive them to that inquiry form as soon as you can. Uh, now, you know, if they call on the phone, there's, you know, there's a whole technique about how much time do you spend on somebody? Uh, because the idea of the inquiry form is that you can cut through uh, the chaff and get to the wheat very quickly, right? And meaning that, uh, so John, in your inquiry form, you have, you know, what are you looking for? What's your budget? what kind of style. And so if somebody says, Hey, I'm looking for art deco, you know, <laughs> for 50 <laughs> bucks, then John's immediately gonna say, Hey, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Yep. Um, whereas if they were on the phone and they're, they're just talking about, Hey, well, what do you like? And this and that, and where'd you find my name? Like, you know, you ha might have a 15 or 20 minute conversation, uh, that again leads to nothing. So as quickly as you can get them there. And so I think, you know, to me, it sounds like do you ever work on that, John? Like, is there, do you have a script of like, it seems like that would be advantageous to be like, okay, whenever somebody calls me, here's like the quick hitters. Like, you know, I'm going to build a little bit of rapport. Like I have some kind of standard thing that I kind of talk to them. And then I say, Hey, you know, it'd be great. Boom. And then send them over. Here's my website. Uh, and then sell them on the value. Like, right. That, so it doesn't feel like you're, you're just shifting them off to the website. Say, Hey, you know, I, what's going to really help me out. And it's going to help me understand your needs better as I have a website form boom, go there. Is that something that you you have kind of like a script in your mind of how to get people over there so that you don't spend time on the phone? Yeah. So typically if someone's calling me cold from somewhere, they got my number, they're going to be looking for a specific item. And I probably have made that item and there's probably a photograph on my website for it. And I know that. So if an individual's calling, asking for say, um, you know, coffee table, um, what I'll do is know in my head that I want to spend as little time as possible on the phone um, with this with this person because I can't close until I know um, what their budget is and if I'm actually um, capable of making what they want. So what I do is try to get them while they're excited looking at my stuff online and that and they're driving them to that form. So I'll I'll basically just gear the conversation towards like, 
Yes, I can absolutely do that. Um, if you want to check out some of my work, go to metalandwood.us and there's an inquiry form right there on the front page that you can uh, send me over some of the information. Um, I would love to know the measurements specifically you're looking for, any stylings as well as a budget. Um, and I think that that's key. Uh, you know, last week we had um, Sean Van Dyke, who's my business coach, and one of the things he taught me early was get a budget up front. You know, don't be afraid to ask individuals for a budget because what happens to a lot of us when we're getting into woodworking and selling physical product is you'll go through this lengthy phone conversation, just like Brad said. And then at the end, they'll be like, oh, and I want this all for $300. And you're like, oh, there's no chance. And I just wasted a half hour. And I like this person now, you know, their kid went to, <laughs> their kid went to high school right. with my cousin <laughs> and we had a beer once. And like, now I feel bad. And so they're, cause I remember the buyer is trying to play on your emotions as well in order to negotiate a better price. And that's what this is. I mean, it's negotiating. So um, I like to keep it short and sweet. And then when I put them over on the form, it asks those questions for me. And it also gives me an opportunity to not waste time um, and to sift through uh, like like what you said. I think you made a, a a, a bread making reference or was that beer making Set, separate the, yeah, the wheat from the chaff. Yes. Cause I'm yeah. so deep into farming, but you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm basically just trying to get to uh, the cream of what I want there. And, and, and uh, I do that by I pushing them to look at my stuff um, based on the idea they have in their mind so they can get a better grasp of what I make. And then if they're still interested when they see it, um, that's where I convert them to, my sales form. And what I think is interesting, Brad, is using this technique um, if you want to get out of making small goods to making the bigger stuff, right? So if you've got, <laughs> if you make small items and you don't want to make them anymore, don't be driving people to a website that's showcasing your small items um, because <laughs> then they're just going to see that that's what you do. Um, and I was giving a, a lot of uh, tips, I guess, on on this concept at uh, workbench con specifically was that like you you have to be targeted with where you're putting um specific things for your marketing campaign what happens to a lot of us woodworkers is that we're all capable of making ridiculously wide amount of product everything from you know woodworkers assume to be able to make everything from cabinets to chairs to tables to you know tabletop goods to um <laughs> to post and beam framing, like all, they just assume all kinds of things in the use of wood. And that happens to all of us. Um, and we know that for a fact. So when you're driving individuals to a specific place to turn them into a lead, um, what you want to do is put the types of products that you know are most profitable um, and that you enjoy making the most or where you want to be making them. So if you've made a couple you know, dining tables that are in where you want to take your business to, um, don't have your you know, don't, don't have your cutting boards on there. Don't have your coasters on there. Don't have the items that are going to downsell what you're making, um, or bring on the types of clients that you no longer want. Um, and I think that's a big issue with where a lot of people are in our space is that none of us want to say no to that easy money in, in making the small goods that are, we're fast and good at. But if you want to make the bigger dollar amounts, you have to be pushing people towards that type of product. So you have to make yeah. sure your website's set up for it. Yeah, I loved, I loved Sean saying, uh, John, if you don't want to sell uh, cornhole boards, then stop making cornhole boards, <laughs> right? Like, right? You know, it's like, it's like, yeah. I, and but I think that what's interesting though is I think there's a flip side of that too, because I've seen it on people's sites, uh, and I, I've heard it is that people, you know, that that custom piece that you made. And it was amazing. Uh, and so for John, for you, the the winge table that you talk about mm. a lot or the cabinet, whichever, whatever it was, the, the cabinet, uh, when, you know, that's not a piece so that you want to have on your site. And so I think that some people like they make this thing and it's like this huge custom thing that they're super proud of because they took so much time and did so much unique work into it, stretched themselves, used materials that were outside their comfort zone, whatever. Uh, but ended up losing money on it, you might be, that might be the best thing you've ever made. Don't put it on your site mm -hmm. because you don't want to make that again. Like for you personally, as a craftsman and craftswoman, yes, like get the value in that uh, and, and know that you were able to do that, but you don't want to sell that unless you have learned your lessons and now you can get a lot better at it. So on the flip side, you know, I, I think I've seen this out there. It's like, 
these pieces that are just like super custom that people put on there. Uh, if that's not something that you're making good money on, then don't lead as as amazing as that might look. Uh, you don't want to have that on your site because people are going to because then that opens the door. And I love John, you've talked about this many, many times is that you scope it down and you want people uh, in your wheelhouse. You want people who want metal and wood furniture, who is an industrial reclaimed look. And that's what you're going to do. And it's going to be tables and buffets and cabinets and those things that are casework that are just easy for you to make. And you have that process down and you can make a great margin on. So, you know, there's the flip side of that too. Don't undersell yourself, but also don't oversell yourself with the things that you're putting out there in your portfolio. Um, you know, start right in your wheelhouse and then you can expand from there. But if you, you know, if you start, if you start giving the customer like, Oh, Hey, the, you know, the, the sky's the limit type mentality, you know, I don't think that's going to help you in the long run um, through lead generation or from profitability either. And it's going to make you miserable. Like I'll tell you straight up, if you just start pumping out all the stuff that you're capable of making to people, um, they're going to take advantage of that. And they're just going to expect you to make a ton of stuff. Now, like I've done, like <laughs> surprisingly, I've done full kitchens. You've never seen a piece of content based around it. What I do with that content is I keep it in my back pocket. So when you start building that relationship with a client and they buy a dining table and you're in their home and like Brad said, you're like, oh, I see that you guys are doing a remodel. Who's handling your cabinet work? And if you know at this point, like I can manage built-ins and small buffets, you know, maybe I try out making a kitchen <laughs> or whatever it might be. You have that in your back pocket as a piece of upsell to an existing project you're already making money on. Um, and I do that all the time. And I don't put that type of content out there for people to see because I don't want my whole business to be based around it. What I like to look at is that table making is a different type of woodworking than chair making, than a different type of woodworking to carpentry work or fine um, mold and trim work to a different type of woodworking that is um, carcass work and cabinetry. So like there's multiple segments of, and, and these shops are all specifically set up differently to maximize their ability in that Um and so don't put yourself in a situation where you're losing from the beginning because it's not optimized with what the rest of things are going on. So, you know, another part before we go on to the next aspect of the funnel is that you need to consider the types of projects in your pipeline building up to the project that you're considering. If you have a bunch of flat surfaces um, in your pipe and you're considering taking on, you know, something that has a lot of fine detail, hand carved molding and trim that's going to legitimately stop the production of everything else because your shop is set up for the flat surfaces or tabletops, for instance. And then that is going to have to be a uh, factor built into your costs associated with getting the other things going. So to take, um, you know, say if, if you're planning, if you're making 10 tabletops, you're going to be using the same tools to do it. You're going to be using the joiner, the planer and the table saw, and you're going to be using the clamps and whatever it might be. But if you're doing uh, drawers, for instance, drawers are something that a lot of people think are fast and easy to make, but that are actually a huge time suck and a big loss for a lot of people. Um, setting up to make drawers takes time away from everything else going on in the shop. Building carcasses and making drawers are two different processes. Um, and that's why you'll see a lot of high-end cabinet companies source their drawers. And that's also why you'll see businesses based around specifically making drawers because it's <laughs> it's a process that can be extremely efficient if that's all you're doing. Um, so think about those things when you're uh, upselling your your clientele or driving them to the products that you want to sell. You know what are you optimized to do right now, um, and how can you sell them on something in line with that? And if they want a massive upsell on something that you think could be a game changer for your business, you got to make sure that that price point's justified and that it's there. Um, I've had a client that I've done a dining table for ask me to replace a beam in their home that was supporting their entire upstairs. Um, you haven't seen content around that, but I did it. Um, and I learned the ins and outs of the engineering behind it. Looks awesome. Went great. And then she wanted her whole staircase done. You didn't see any content based around that <laughs> because I didn't do it one, but two, um, I took that as an opportunity and I looked at it and said, if I want to get into this, you know, this is going to be a stepping stone for my business. Um, and I think I actually sent you the mock-up, Brad, yep. I didn't get the job, but that was because I priced that at a point where I knew this was going to stop everything else I was doing. And I was going to have to, you know, give a six weeks to building out this staircase 
Um, and you know, that client wasn't comfortable with it. They actually ended up realizing that they couldn't remodel their stairs because they didn't have the budget for it. But I didn't say no, because I'm not optimized to do staircases. I said yes. And made that price point. Let that client know that if, if you want this type of custom work, it's going to be, um, it's going to be, it's going to cost you because you can't take a loss. And that's one thing I think a lot of us do with our funnel is you get down to like that point where you've been talking to this client for a long period of time and you're at that final stage for closing and you're like, oh, I feel, I don't want to let this go. I've been involved with it for so long and you just take a hit on a, on something because it took so long to get to that process. Um, that's kind of why I, I narrowed down like immediately to warm leads on my website in order to uh, take that you know, the, the personal feeling out of the equation, um, by using a sales form too. So that's another little tactic there that I like to use to my advantage. Yeah, I think it, what's interesting. So flipping this over to the digital side as well is that, um, I, I think, you know, people might not think about it, but from a digital side, uh, there are lots of different opportunities as well. And what works in your wheelhouse. So it's funny, I, this is fresh in my mind because I just responded to an email this morning uh, I had a, a company reach out to me and the companies are reaching out all the time uh, to work with them. And so from a digital side, uh, for one, it's I think the, the biggest piece of uh, sales generation from a digital side is just being out there and being everywhere. So it's they come upon my site through search engine optimization or just through Instagram uh, referral or, you know, they go on there and uh, it, I come up in the Explore feed. So from a digital side, it's just getting your branded content out there and being everywhere. Now, I don't have an inquiry form for per se. So when, when people come up and say, hey, I would, you know, we're looking to do this. It, it's a bit harder because it's not as firm. I can't say, hey, what are you looking for? Give me your budget. <laughs> it just doesn't quite work that way. Um, but what happens is I get, you know, uh, like there's all these Amazon sellers, right? So I get people that <laughs> somebody, you know, they, they want me to do like a, a kitchen pop-up drain or something like that. But then uh, I had a, a, a very, you know, a national brand come and ask me uh, if I wanted, <laughs> I think they actually called it a, a poop kit. Uh, it was a plumbing, <laughs> it was keeping on the plumbing thing. It was like an emergency, you know, so I'm assuming it's like something to, to fix your toilet when it gets stopped up. And I was just like, okay, uh, you know, <laughs> like that's outside of what I'm doing at the moment. Now, at the same time, um, I am starting to get into more home DIY and I actually do have some plumbing things that I want to do, like replacing faucets and and, uh, you know, stuff like that. More home DIY. So working with a, a plumbing company, uh, you know, national plumbing company might not be a bad idea because that there could be a tie in there. Uh, but I think that, again, that's outside of what I want to be doing and I would have to change my content. It's not me out there working in the shop and doing those things. Uh, and that's not something I'm comfortable with at the moment. And so and I didn't give them. So there's two things, right? There's two ways to go about that. I could have said, hey, yeah, no problem. I, I can do that for for 20 grand. Right. And just give them a, kind of an invitation to work with you uh, and and just price it sky high. And then if they if you give it to you, then then we're talking about poop kits next week. If, if they give me 20 G's, we're, <laughs> we're talking about poop kits. Yes. Uh, but I, th- I think the other side of that is to. Um, so you'll get from the digital side, a lot of those leads come in the form of emails coming in. And what I always tell people, if it's not a great fit, especially if it's coming from a PR agency, because a lot of these, these businesses work through uh, an agency, so it's not them. The thing you always have to remember is that that agency uh, could represent a lot of different brands. And so what I told this gal, I said, hey, um, you know, it sounds like an interesting opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't really fit with the direction of my channel right now. I am going to be doing more home DIY in the future. Uh, so it, it's not, I'm not there yet, but, uh, you know, maybe in the future. But then what I always lead with, and this works from, I think, the, the physical side and the digital side, is that I say, hey, uh, if you have any other, if you have any other brands that you work with uh, that might fit closer to woodworking and DIY, you know, hands-on building type things, um, I'd love to hear about those opportunities. So same thing on the other end would be, hey, if you from a product side, uh, if you know anybody that's that's looking for more of an industrial reclaimed look, uh, I'd love to 
if you passed along my information, something like that. You know, don't uh, don't just shut them out. Uh, anybody that has contacted you, that's a lead. And that's somebody who is interested in talking to you. They've got your name from. So like you've already won, like you've got them to contact you like that's that's huge. Like just getting them to contact you. So don't let that lead die, like leave them with something. So that's what I say. Hey, you know, maybe we can work together uh, in the future, possibly as my channel might be changing directions uh, or expanding. But also if you're in a PR agency, if you're working with other brands, keep me in mind, like reach out to me. And literally that also just happened this week. Uh, uh, so I got an email from another gal who said, hey, I, I got your name from so-and-so. And, -so, and uh, they said that you that you're you know not interested in this product, but hey, here's something that's more in the DIY range, uh, the woodworking area. Is this something that might work for you? And so it, it absolutely works. Don't just shut off a lead. Uh, always lead them, leave them with, hey, if something changes, if you know other people, uh, I'm here, right? And here's what I do. So kind of you're, you're setting your boundaries and then you're just reminding them, hey, if, if you know somebody that needs something in these boundaries or if later on, you know, you need something in these boundaries. Don't don't forget about me. Like, I think that's an important part. Don't just be like, yeah, sorry, I can't help you. Have a good one. Yeah, always leave with opportunity um, and, you know, don't just cut off a relationship. I think that there's opportunity for always providing more value um, in any type of relationship. And I think that's a great example. Um, so so going into a little bit more tactical aspect of it. I think um, one thing, you know, Brad uh, does a great job with in the digital space is being um, very targeted and very wide. Um, and in that context, I mean, uh, a great Instagram following, as we all know, um, a really, really solid and growing YouTube channel. Brad's actually a stone cold killer when it comes to Pinterest and his <laughs> SEO. So, um, and then those in that, what is that four or five things, um, you know, you're able to get hundreds of thousands, if not millions of impressions weekly, um, individually on each platform that are all being consumed by different types of people that are going to fall into your quote unquote sponsorship sales funnel. Um, you know, they reach in and they've already seen a piece of content. And now this has become a warm lead. Um, and once you get bigger, you know, these are the things that happen. But I think if you flip it as a smaller account, what you're able to do is if you're a little bit wider, um, you're able to bundle your numbers together if you're looking for a sales or a media kit kind of concept um, and then pitch that to brands as well as you're able to contact brands on different platforms. Um, so like I got my first sponsorship gig on uh, on Twitter <laughs> and I don't even use Twitter, but like I was able to um, reach out to some folks that I wanted to work with and it was able to uh, and, and, and make something happen. But I wanted, but I drove them over to Instagram and then I drove them over to YouTube. And, um, and now we kind of use that to our advantage there too. So make sure that you're uh, listening to our earlier episodes on Pinterest, on Facebook, and obviously on YouTube and Instagram where, where we are, um, you know, very, uh, very directed at, um, and use those to your advantage if you're trying to drive, um, in, in people into sponsoring you, um, and use that with to your advantage as well. You know, a lot of people early on ask why they would want to be on so many different platforms. Well, this is the exact reason the wider you are and it, as it's directed, um, you know, and, and you're able to execute on it, um, the better opportunity people are going to have to fall onto your content and work with you. Um, and I think what the, the, I think the aspect that we haven't touched into yet in the digital space is um, driving people to your personal sales funnel of products that you're creating on your own. And and the reason for that being is, is that, uh, you know, we, we all know Brad sells plans and, and I do myself. Um, and if you set yourself up to drive those, to, to drive individuals down to your plans, um, you're going to be now building a relationship that's long-term. And that's actually um, how a lot of these webinars and classes teach individuals to create digital sales funnels is, um, you know, bring them in with your free content. And that's going to be your social media posts and your super wide stuff that you don't have to pay. And there's no barrier to entry and then give them an upsell. And that's typically, um, you know, a freebie or a coupon or an incentivized, uh, 
purchase, quote unquote, in order to get their email or something or capture, you know, uh, that individual's information and then retarget them at the bottom or as you get closer to the bottom of the funnel for products or for promotions or for events or for whatever it might be. Um, and that's how you use a digital funnel to sell your personal products. So that's also a two headed monster there with the digital side is the, you know, selling people on your sponsorship packages as well as selling them on your individual products. Yeah, absolutely. And so from a digital content perspective in my, you know, my sales stream uh, and revenue stream, exactly what you said, John, you know, sponsorships is is definitely the biggest. Uh, on the flip side, also have the product side on the plan side. Um, but I've, I would do want to hit because I know you, you touched on it, the idea of a media kit. And I've had several people also DM me over the past several months. And they, they say, hey, um, I was reaching out to a company and they asked me for a media kit. What is that? <laughs> like, you know, they're like, I have no idea what this is. So if you're working, if you're trying to work with a sponsor, I would highly suggest you do get a media kit. And basically that's just a one pager. It's basically an elevator pitch on a piece of paper. And if you go out, what I always tell people to do, because this is what I did when I started is actually go to Etsy and search for media kit Pinterest. And you'll see, yeah, you can go to Pinterest, Etsy, I mean, even Google, but on, on Etsy, they people sell them there and you can either buy one there as a, a template form uh, or just get ideas. I think there's some really cool ideas there, but the whole idea is that uh, you tell them about you, tell them about your site, uh, tell them about your audience. So who I am, what I do and who I serve, and then fill that in with other information about you know where you are, the breadth of your audience, et cetera, et cetera why they want to work with you, and then your offering. So here's what I can do for you as a brand. Uh, but that's kind of the down and dirty of what that looks like. So that is a great way is that once you make that, make that contact, and exactly what you said, John, uh, and early on, man, I was pounding the pavement. Like I was reaching out to brands, and I still reach out to brands. But now, because I have gotten an audience that's larger, uh, you know, most of that stuff is incoming. Like I'm just more filtering through the things now, and I've made some really great long-term relationships uh, and then as people reach out, I'll fill things in. And if there's a, a really cool new product that, uh, that I like, then I'll, I will say, oh, cool. Like I'll, I'll reach out to that brand and talk to them. Um, but for the most part, it's coming in now. So that's the benefit of, like John said, being wide and being across these different platforms and building an audience is that that becomes your, that is your sales funnel, your social media accounts, your YouTube channel. I mean, that's the tip of the spear for any uh, digital content creator and even on the product side, you can turn that into product sales as well. So yeah, those are, are really great ways. And then obviously all that stuff can funnel into your digital products as well. So that's what I do with my plan sales. Uh, and then back to our email, our email list and our email strategy. Again, that's how you continue them. So once you get them into the funnel, make sure that you get them on your email list as quickly as you can, because then you can reach out and give them other opportunities. So like for me, for digital plan sales, uh, if you bought one, then you might be interested in buying another one, right? Because you like what I do. If you enjoy that, then you're going to want to do it. So that's the great thing about ongoing relationships and ongoing sales funnels. Yeah. And that's uh, kind of the same concept as our passive income topic there. You know, that and all of this, like Brad said at the beginning of the episode, is is leading back to um, a lot of the topics that we've talked about here in the past. And I think this is just conceptually bringing things together um, and, and realizing why you're doing what you're doing or why we are talking about doing so much um, is because when you have uh, direction and, and you have a plan behind each aspect of your business and of your portfolio, you're able to drive um, down to wherever you're selling people on or however you're making your living on, um, you know, in, in this space. Um, and, and I think I think what happens a lot is that you feel overwhelmed and we both know that uh, as we as we continue to grow multiple businesses now um, and you know as long as you stick to the plan and you stick to the strategy you're going to be able to execute on a lot of the things that are happening um, here in creating a proper sales funnel and driving people to where you want them to go so um, you know and I, I think this is a good spot to kind of kind of wrap up because I was gonna we were gonna Maybe we'll bring it up in a future episode. Let us know in the let us know in the comments in the show notes if you'd like to hear more of the tactical aspect of the email sales funnel because that's a whole other monster, right, Brad? That can that can just yeah. become you know life consuming almost. But um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and we're walking through it too right now, right? Yeah. So you've started on a new email program, and 
uh, we're, we're talking with some other folks about what they're doing. So I think that I think this has been a really good episode about just kind of setting the base and, and more of the general idea and giving people some uh, ideas of, of what they can do from the physical side as well as the digital side, uh, a little bit more tactical. Uh, but I think email, digital marketing and sales funnel, like, I mean, yeah, that's a full episode that we can absolutely dive into. Let us know, guys, like John said. Uh, but but hopefully, yeah, that gave you some some good ideas of what to do. Uh, again, I think for any of you product folks out there, go listen to episode 30 again uh, if you ha- or listen to it if you haven't already with Jeff Mack. Uh, just a fantastic episode on ways you can do that and ways to drive a business. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think it's great, man. I think people will get some some good ideas out of this. And, you know, the biggest thing I think about uh, generating a sales funnel is just giving yourself the opportunity getting out there in in whatever form it is, physical, digital, is that you need to always be selling your brand and figuring out how you can serve people. Yeah, you got to, and having the proper processes set up in order to win once you do get out there. Um, And I think that's the part where a lot of us miss having a, you know, having a lead form on your website, having your photo on your business card, if you're trying to get out there in person, Um, you know, having your logo on your products, like all of those things are um, small aspects of the broad picture that can really put some, you know, easy wins in your pocket when it comes to generating more sales and getting that funnel uh, narrowed down to to where you want it to be. Absolutely. All right, guys, well, we're going to wrap up. We're going to head over to our after show. Uh, and again, if you would like to join in on that, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. But uh, good one, John. We'll hit this up, pick it up another episode next week. Let's crush it. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes, and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at madeforprofit, where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks. So once again, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next episode.